0: Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about difficult listening music and the second best radio station in town. to difficult listening hour. Be spot on your dial for that relentless and impenetrable sound of difficult music. So sit both upright in that straight back chair, button that top button, and get set. For some difficult music. That was the music of performance artist Lori Anderson from her United States live album, multi CD set in fact, and a track called Difficult Listening Hour. It's one that live in concert tends to lead into the song Language as a virus from outer space. And you know a nice place setting for what I want to do today because I want to have a little fun relax a little bit from some of the more serious material and go through uh, something of a list, uh, but a list that has a discussion around it in terms of what I've always wanted radio to be. I'm not a fan of top 40 radio. And to me, the line between top 40 radio, oldies radio, and easy listening radio, it really isn't that thick. It's a pretty thin barrier. The main barrier being time. Oldies would be the music of the adults in the listening audience, Uh, top 40, of course, the kids in the listening audience, and easy listening, the generation above that. But in each case, what you're dealing with is music that I would describe as being very familiar. If it's not familiar because it is, you know, in every sense of the word, an oldie, it's familiar because it's current on the chart and being played enough to become, if not uh, tiresome, at least familiar. Now, I prefer the concept of difficult listening. This doesn't mean it has to be a metal machine music by Lou Reed or something even more challenging to the ear. It just means uh, something that is challenging to the mind in terms of the combinations of songs or the depth inside the catalog or the willingness to break the mold uh, the three to four minute track, for example to to walk away from that and maybe the best way to talk about it is to just kind of roll through some examples. I did a write-up for this uh, many years ago, almost 20 years ago now, so any references that I make uh, that seems to be concentrating on maybe 1992 and earlier, well, that's no coincidence. If I'm going to pick examples from what's written in front of me, it's going to be those notes from back then. The other thing about uh, difficult listening music, or the second best radio station in town, is that it will aggressively cut across genre. So, few concepts... You know, not tied into genre. So we're not looking at a country station or a bluegrass station or a a gospel station. It's not a rap R&B urban station, not album-oriented rock, not new metal or alternative rock, not classical, not NPR or talk, but really all of those elements combined together and more and not cordoned off. You see, when you tend to see uh, this experiment has, you know, it's not that this experiment hasn't been done. It's just that now that we've hit the point when radio itself is almost over as a concept and it's too late to get a genuine test of whether something like this could even be successful, it's not that it hasn't been tried, but what you tend to see in this sort of segmented approach is what uh, you'd get on college radio stations. Probably the best example is college radio, where you get a couple of hours of classical, a couple of hours of jazz, you know, a little bit of a talk and interview format. Maybe back to classical music later in the day, overnight or late at night, uh, the, uh, the alternative and independent rock, maybe a, a 30-minute punk section, that sort of thing. I'm not talking about that segmented approach. I'm talking about gumbo, not even stew. I'm talking about gumbo. Let's mix this whole thing together with potentially incongruent flavors and see what we get. The other thing is it would be a de-emphasis of the DJ not interested in the radio personality, and frankly, even my early concepts of this, not interested in it being a money-making venture. I figured the only way I would even try something like this back then in the 90s or even earlier would be if I somehow found myself uh, winning the lottery or a huge inheritance to where it almost didn't matter whether what I was doing was profitable or not, because when you eliminate the DJ personality and the live remote down at the auto dealership and the uh, contest at the mall, when you eliminate all that sort of stuff, you've eliminated a huge revenue stream. So not interested in the revenue stream. Uh, it's perfectly fine for there to be a DJ or some, some method of introducing songs and explaining what has been played. Of course, now in the Internet age, there might be much more creative ways of doing that, of playing the songs and focusing a lot on the music. Um, and then introducing them via some other means, like saying, well, you know, from 5 after 1 until one fifteen today, here's what we play. This what was what was on. So if you wanted to know what you had heard at any point, you could kind of catch up to it that way. Not that there wouldn't be ads. I think some of the most creative work that I've heard in radio has been ads, but also some of the worst has been done. Uh, we just have to be creative. And I'm not opposed to the contest, either, to build listenership. We'll talk a little bit about some contest ideas, you know, sort of as we, as we get into it. The main thing, though, is to avoid at all costs this concept of uh, the typical cliché, I guess I would call it. So, yeah, I wouldn't be interested in two for Tuesday. I wouldn't be interested in a no-repeat Thursday. In fact, I'm more likely to be interested in an all-repeat Thursday. Uh, Leonard Skinner, Freebird, all, all day over and over and over again. Or, you know, splicing together all parts of metal machine music and playing that on a no-repeat Thursday. You know, something a little bit more difficult, something that subverts. With the most important thing being variety, I think it also has to include uh, a lot of irreverence. So, in other words, you you may never play Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. You may play a lot of Led Zeppelin, but not that track, for example. And also, intentionally playing songs that suck. The only way to achieve the right kind of variety is for whoever's in charge of selecting the music to intentionally select, not just what that person feels is really good, really interesting, or maybe even the best, but also to pick the worst. That way, the whole, the old adage of one man's, you know, treasure is another man's trash. You know, you kind of, you get the full spectrum that way. One more thing before I wander through a few tracks, how would you handle the news Well, a program like this, and certainly on something like satellite radio, what we have today is what radio has morphed into to try to accommodate this need. You wouldn't necessarily need news and weather. I mean, if you don't have DJs, what are you covering news for? But if I was going to try to cover news and weather and do so on a radio station like this, difficult listening, intentionally subversive, I think the idea would be that you could um, go with the past. In other words, you can find a place where there's a year, six, seven, eight years in the past, where whatever date this is, it was also that same date on the same day of the week. So in other words, if I'm recording this on July 27th, and July 27th this year is a Wednesday, there is a point in the past, uh, maybe 2006, somewhere in that ballpark, where July 27th was previously a Wednesday, or maybe go two or three back to jump back in time 15, 20 years, or make the selection more randomly than that. But rather than having to hire a news reporting staff and deal with up-to-the-minute weather, it might be enough to just say, no, the last time that Wednesday was July 27th, I want to give you the news on that day. What was on the AP wire and, and what was the uh, weather forecast in this local area on that day? Talk about subversive i wouldn 't be at all uh, surprised if the FCC stepped in to put a stop to nonsense like that because it could be potentially confusing, even potentially dangerous you don 't want to be warning people about you know tornadoes that aren 't there just because it happened to be true you know fifteen sixteen years ago, or failing to warn people about legitimate weather issues because the weather that you 're reporting is the weather from the past. but the idea is there in terms of what kind of concepts are we looking at, and when I get through kind of throwing out some examples you know, and dealing with uh, songs and artists and the combinations that you can build from that. One of the ideas would be, um, who's the audience here? How does the audience work? And what I want to come back to at the end is this idea that I don't think this would ever be the best radio station in town. Uh, the, truly the only listener who would find it to be the number one, source for listening, you'd think would be whoever was programming the combination of songs, but it might just be the second best radio station in town. If you imagine a town where there's only one of each genre, uh, one top 40 station, one album oriented rock, one you know, adult alternative, one easy listening, one country. If you had that situation and you really just loved country music and that was all you wanted to hear, this radio station I'm proposing would be the second-best radio station in town. If the station that you're on is covering a whole series of commercials, or if they're only playing a block of songs by an artist you don't care for, this is the other station that might just be playing some country. And, in fact, this station is more likely to be playing bluegrass or southern gospel than even that country station would be. And the same thing would apply to top 40 hits and uh, to classic rock songs. It's not just that it would be a random gumbo of music. It's not just that you could go from you know, having a collection of four or five songs in a row where something within that block was classical or jazz or heavy metal or rap. Sometimes there would still be combinations. One might be, for example, protest songs. The Rainmakers and their song Reckoning Day. Public Enemy, and not just Welcome to the Terror Dome, not just a single cut from Public Enemy, but the album Slice that has the uh, intro called Incident at 66.6 FM Plus, Welcome to the Terror Dome. Perhaps that could be followed by Dead Kennedy's California Uber Alice, the original version on Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. Followed that up with uh, Elvis Costello's Less Than Zero, an album that uh, makes references that your average American doesn't understand, but is at the same time a scathing political diatribe and perhaps sending it with a folk rock song like Michelle Schacht, Graffiti Limbo, and her criticism of uh, Ed Koch and the New York City crackdown on graffiti back in the 80s. Another example might be songs that have an environmental focus. 10,000 Maniacs, Poison in the Well, XTC, and Scarecrow People. The Flipper song called Love Canal, for example, or Violent Femmes and their song, Hallowed Ground, which may or may not be an environmental song after all. One of the other things that I would do is try to include marathon songs as much as possible. Again, radio stations, even to this day, Top 40 Radio, is all about a three or four minute cut. If a song comes out that's longer than that, you're likely to hear an edited version of it. But I would play the whole whole shooting match, and I wouldn't necessarily care about the genre. Examples of marathon songs might include Al Stewart's Love Chronicles, which occupied almost an entire side of that uh, album he released very early in his career. Truly in every way a folk rock storyteller kind of a song, with Jimmy Page doing electric guitar solos and interludes. John Fahey, the um, American primitive guitarist, sort of a solo guitar work, and uh, Fair Forward Voyager was the title track of one of his albums and an entire side of the album as well arlo guthrie's alice's restaurant or rush the entire 2112 suite those are good examples of marathon songs now having criticized the idea of two for tuesday it might seem a little bit you know two-faced to talk about playing tailor-made double shots of music but there are albums where if you remember the original the original play of the record there were songs uh, on some of those great albums where the two two tracks somewhere along the way would blend together Elton John has a good example the funeral for a friend and love lies bleeding. I think of XTC's tracks, respectable street and generals and majors together. And some bands actually string more than just two uh, for queen. It would be uh, for me, it would be tenement funster flick of the wrist and lily of the valley back to back to back. So you kind of get the idea of how that might work, you know, and, and, Just because those are my tastes, I think I might play music that is a little bit outside my typical taste, either because I find it to be uh, too nostalgic or too old-fashioned or too cheesy. Kansas has a tailor-made double shot with The Spider and Paradox off their album Point of No Return. Well, I've already sort of hinted at the idea of doing album sides, but those were album sides where it was still playing just one song one song at a length that radio would never be willing to tolerate, but I also would be willing to do other album sides where there are multiple songs on the album, but there's a certain amount of uh, power in the combination of the multiple tracks. To me, the best example of this is the Beatles, Abbey Road, side two. Um, it might be one of my favorite sections of any Beatles album, but any one of those tracks independently just doesn't, doesn't tell the right story. Other examples that I've noted here, uh, Journey, Infinity, side one, the Boomtown Rats, a tonic for the troops, side one, and Jethro Tull's Aqualung side two, that is the My God section of Jethro Tull's Aqualung. Another you know, trick or gimmick, hate to call it a gimmick, would be to play multiple songs with multiple versions. So uh, make and remake, for example, or in this case, an entire block of Robert Johnson's Crossroads, Robert Johnson, the great Delta blues man, recorded more than one version of his song, Crossroads, and you could bookend Robert Johnson's own work by playing the version by Eric Clapton and Cream, Cowboy Junkies, Turtle Island String Quartet. No doubt there are more. Now, a lot of these have a rock focus. Even blues artists like Robert Johnson has incredible rock credibility, but it wouldn't be just rock and roll. For jazz... And uh, for me, I'd probably lean more toward classic jazz, but even in modern jazz, there'd be examples like Bella Fleck and the Flecktones and the track Sinister Minister, um, a group where the banjo has a role to play in jazz music. Michael Franks, the singer in his track, Sometimes I Just Forget to Smile from the Art of Tea early on in his career. Don Ellis, live, with a track like Pussy Wiggle Stomp, or more likely The Great Divide would be a good pick for this particular block of music. Um, That sort of approach. But also New Age music, or what we call New Age music. Instrumental music that is definitely not classical, definitely not jazz, and definitely not rock, and tends to be easy on the ears. Examples there, and, and not always instrumental. That's an important point. Examples there might include Michael Hedges, the song Face Yourself, The pianist Sandy Owen, um, something like a minor movement or the sparkle. Um, Steve Reich, this is more of a modern classical approach. The Desert Music, Third Movement, Part One, would be my Steve Reich track as an example. For less modern classical, I'd lean toward things like Bach, almost anything in the Brandenburg Concertos, but particularly uh, Number Five, Movement One, or Number Four, Movement One. Haydn, The Philosopher's Symphony, Number 22 movement two. And then there's, of course, very famous classical tracks that you'll know them when you hear them because they're used so often in film and in advertisement. Things like um, Carmina Morana, O Fortuna by Orff, or Adagio for Strings by Barber. You could easily call Adagio for Strings the theme music to the movie Platoon, if that helps kind of trigger a memory. Let me toss in just a random set of songs here for a second. Jesus Jones, Right Here, Right Now. Morrissey, Hairdresser on Fire. Super Tramp, Hide in Your Shell, Harry Chapin, Everybody's Lonely, and Molly and the Haymakers, Well Ran Dry. That kind of combination is what this radio station would do as a rule, almost as a matter of rote, uh, and not expecting any fanfare. On the other end of it, there is the folk rock element that I, I don't think I've done too much with yet. Joni Mitchell, My Old Man, Bob Dylan. Um, knick-knack paddywhack not an old dylan track fairly recent recording in fact and leon redbone polly wally doodle that's sort of an approach elsewhere i think i've got some notes here for henry rollins and his spoken word piece from the black flag album this title track in fact to the black flag album family man followed by some elizabethan music the sir thomas morley song, 'Twas a lover and his lass i always think of that and hear that in my head paired with the uh, new wave band from the 80s called The Monroes and the song What Do All the People Know. Or perhaps The Romeos, Daddy Daddy, same period, same era. And uh, maybe my all-time favorite track by the Cars, It's All I Can Do. Of course, your classic rock is all about the rock block. I can remember listening to the radio on Saturday mornings expecting to hear three, four, five songs in a row by the same artist. Because it was going to be a rock block weekend. And that was an idea from, you know, from classic rock radio that I actually like. I can see using that, but not necessarily invested solely in, you know, classic rock artists. You could do classic rock. I mean, I've got a notes here for Led Zeppelin Rush, the Rolling Stones, Van Morrison. Here's the lineup that I might have used for an Emerson, Lake and Palmer block. Going back, not just to the band, but also to their roots. The Nice, with a track called Pathetique. Greg Lake. Closer to Believing, which was recorded on an ELP album. Carl Palmer, Close but Not Touching. King Crimson, I Talk to the Wind, a King Crimson track that owes a lot to Greg Lake's vocal performance. And the uh, ELP song Knife Edge. You know, there's a rock block without actually doing a straight-up block of music by the same artist recording under the same name. But to me, the example I like for a rock block is to pick something a little bit on the edges of what we would call rock altogether. Brian Eno, Here's five songs from Brian Eno that I'd love to hear in a combination on a radio station someday. Babies on Fire, Somber Reptiles, Burning Airlines Give You So Much More, Julie With, and I'll Come Running. That's the Brian Eno that I was listening to uh, at this time and even before when I was in college. I mentioned the idea of makes and remakes. Included in that is the concept of just flat-out tributes. Um, Bob Dylan, one of the most covered and recorded artists around. Al Stewart has a nice version of the track I Don't Believe You. She acts like we never have met. Sophie B. Hawkins' version of I Want You simply must be heard if you've never heard her interpretation. She doesn't do any gender interpolations there, so it almost sounds like a lesbian anthem. Jimi Hendrix, All Along the Watchtower, goes without saying. You really can't do a true classic tribute to songs by Bob Dylan that have been remade without that one. The band, I Shall Be Released, and Manfred Mann's, Quinn the Eskimo, that sort of concept, without necessarily turning around and playing the actual Bob Dylan originals. Just to drop in a few other genres that haven't really been mentioned so far, and I'm taken by the notion right up front of of putting together a double shot with Kate Bush and her song called Delius from the Never Forever CD, backed up with the actual music of the composer Delius, uh, Summer Night on the River or uh, On Hearing the First Cuckoo in Spring. you know, Some of those light and airy classical tracks, typically the ones conducted by Sir Thomas Beecham. For easy listening, uh, how about a lineup like this? Uh, Bed Midler, The Gift of Love. See, easy listening doesn't have to be decades old. Frank Sinatra, Fly Me to the Moon. Glenn Miller, Kalamazoo. The Ink Spots, We Three. Or something even a touch too obvious, like Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Or things that I would call uh, the occasional supremely sexist set, or the FCC Challenge set. The Weasels, and their song beat her with a rake and made her pay for her mistake. T-Bone Burnett, fatally beautiful. Spinal Tap's Big Bottom. Or better, L.O. Cool J's Big Old Butt. And the other thing that I like is the idea of having an a song with an intro beginning a set. So something like The Cult and Sun King where after some almost guitar-tuning sort of sound, the lead singer kicks the album off, and in this case, the set-off, with This Is Where It All Ends. Hi there, this is Rick Moyer, the host of the Take Him With You weekly podcast. My wife Amy and I talk every week about all sorts of cool geeky things going on around our house. Plus, we have some uh, positive words of encouragement and then a subject every week that is sure to uh, make you think a little bit and hopefully encourage you for the week to come. That's our goal. Visit us at TakeHimWithYou.com. You can also find us on iTunes. Just search for Take Him With You. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Thanks. I wouldn't want to limit myself to the idea of this difficult listening music being necessarily all music. There would be room for poetry readings and short story readings, uh, key chapters or paragraphs from great prose. We'll get to that in a minute if I stumble across an example. But Scripture could easily be a part of it as well, and not just necessarily on a Sunday morning. But uh, the first chapter of John's Gospel, the 13th chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, these are you know really famous examples. But there are others that are just as good that I could see being um, – A really interesting way to drop something in that would be different, would be unusual, but, and of course, in my case, would also be genuinely sincere. I also would cover complete new releases, and here's where you get back into trouble with the record labels. I can't imagine the record labels as they were then, certainly, but even now, being okay with this type of non-genre-affiliated radio station, for want of a better word, playing entire new releases cover to cover. It's not like it never happened. I remember hearing Pink Floyd's The Wall played on the album-oriented rock station in my town in its entirety, with only commercial breaks at the album side switches, so to speak. But you just can't imagine that that would fly today. Back then, here are the albums that I picked. Gives you a little insight into what my tastes were at the time, back in 1992, summer of 1992. Faith No More's Angel Dust. It was new. Not an album I like. It's one of my least favorite by Faith No More, but it was new. Danzig 3, How the Gods Kill, is my favorite album by Danzig. Michelle Shocked, Arkansas Traveler. An interesting hodgepodge of a record where you can literally see her career changing directions on those tracks. Al Jarreau, Heaven and Earth. I think this was speculating on my part. I don't think I owned a copy of the album at the time, but it was, again, new. And uh, Miles Davis, dubop just because i'm turning the page another example of the combinations that you could put together bad company can't get enough metallica crash course in brain surgery the rolling stones 19th nervous breakdown both rocking tracks all three good rock and roll tracks with almost nothing in common with each other follow that up with happy flowers and the song that i think i like best from them is uh If this gun were real, I could shoot you and sleep in the big bed with Mommy. Happy Flowers has been described in the past as being responsible for creating psychedelic rock and childhood trauma rants. Almost all of them from the perspective of a demented kid. This was South Park before there was South Park. But I would follow that up with a track in country, probably. Alan Jackson playing possum. Or something maybe a little bit more lighthearted and fun. Garth Brooks' Papa Love Mama. Charlie Daniels, Uneasy Writer, or Brian Bowers, The Scotsman. That sort of an approach. I mentioned songs that suck. There also has to be room for chewy, silly bubblegum tracks. Popcorn, the instrumental song by the group Hot Butter from the 70s. Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died, or some version of another song like Billy Don't Be a Hero. The Buggles, Video Killed the Radio Star would fit in here as well, along with Yellow's Oh Yeah, which is a track I think of as being the theme to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mentioned poetry, and I did take a note of some poems that I think would be the kind of things I'd want. To have a a poetry reading on radio? Well, everything ranging from the classic to the contemporary. T.S. Eliot, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Shel Silverstein, Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout Would Not Take the Garbage Out for example, or King Missile and Sex With You, which, although a rock and roll song is also unmistakably a a poetry recitation of sorts, or James Dickey, The Leap, those kinds of of poems, for want of a better word. Other marathon songs, uh, Miles Davis and the Shh Peaceful track from In a Silent Way, John and Vangelis, the Friends of Mr. Cairo, or something a little bit more experimental, like The Soft Parade by The Doors, or um, Skinny Puppy, and the track Download. One of the things I enjoy a lot is aftermath music. Um, At the end of the trend, not necessarily the beginning, which, consistent with my relative degree of dislike of Top 40 Radio, something from the post-punk period, like uh, Severed Heads, Brazier in Rome, or Bee People, and the track Persecution, That's My Song. A personal favorite of mine is Lost Reactors, Dead in the Suburbs, which I think, had it been recorded anywhere else than Oklahoma, might have had a a bigger audience. It certainly would have been consistent with the kind of things being played at the same time in New York and Los Angeles. Or Flipper, Ha Ha Ha. So that kind of an idea. The other thing that I would do is I wouldn't hesitate to attempt to honor religion. Again, not not only being willing to play songs of gospel, Southern Gospel, Contemporary Christian, but also songs that take a little bit of a different angle to it. Lyle Lovett's Church, which is a very surreal story about hungry parishioners being ready for lunch. Lou Reed's Busload of Faith. Or Brian Ritchie, the bassist from Violent Femmes, and his song, or his version, of John the Revelator. When it comes to contests, one of the other contest ideas that I had is something I would call Backward Masking Monday. The idea would be that you would play a song backwards in its entirety or for as long as you needed to until you got the caller calling in, correctly identifying the song from their ability to interpret the backwards recording. And then, you know, once you had a winner, announce the winner, announce the prize, and then play the song forwards so people who didn't get it, who couldn't make the connection, could hear the forward version of the song that you just played backwards. There are obvious choices here. Uh, Queens, another one bites the dust would be one. Um, I like the idea of playing Simon and Garfunkel's Scarborough fair, something airy and atmospheric, but for me, by far, my favorite concept, my favorite idea of a track to use on a backward masking Monday would be the song rump shaker by Rex and effect. I'd be very interested in hearing what all that zoom, zooma zoom, zoom would sound like backwards. It would almost sound like the band was eating their words. I'm going to feel bad if I get to the end of this rambling episode and I forget to mention a genre of sorts, because again, the idea is all genre, which would include reggae, both authentic reggae and things which are not quite reggae or reggae imitations. Examples in that, uh, in that not quite reggae would be the song No Gesturing. Now, I think if you did it by Ali Campbell, that would be a, a real reggae track. I'm thinking more of Lenny Kaye. Lenny Kay, if that name sounds familiar, is you know, one of the musicians who played with Patti Smith on her seminal 1970s album and would later become a, a key record label executive. But he also did a solo version of the song No Gesturing on a recording called The 15th Anniversary of dial poem and is quite good. Violent Femmes have a good reggae imitation called Please Do Not Go from their self-titled album. The English Beat, probably right on that line of what's real and what's not, and the original album cut of Doors of Your Heart, uh, Outstanding, with a bit of toasting in the middle. And if you don't know what that is, toasting is awfully, awfully close to the reggae version of rap. From the perspective of country, I wouldn't want to ignore the traditional country. It can't be all Garth Brooks and George Strait, or more modern country artists like Rascal Flats. I'd want to have songs on there like uh, Charlie Rich, Sittin' and Thinkin' or Patsy Cline's Walkin' the Dog. And if you've never heard the uh, box set version of Walkin' the Dog, it's it's a curiosity that's interesting and entertaining, if only for the blatant sexism of the DJs, because she's singing the song live in the DJ booth, and it's absolutely cringeworthy. Well, sir, it's guest time here on Town & Country Time, and our guest is a mighty pretty girl that sings a real fine song. Here's a girl that's kind of just making a start here in country music, and sooner or later I know that you're gonna hear a whole lot about a real fine youngin' by the name of Patsy Klein, and we'd like to say hello to her. Patsy, how are you, honey? Just fine. You're looking real good. Why, thank you. You got <laughs> all the guys around here standing, drooling down over the bibs of their overalls, as Lazy Jim Day say, my overalls drawed up till my feet wouldn't touch the ground for three days, by golly. Patsy, what you gonna sing for the folks? I'm going to walk a little bit of dog. That's fine. I'm a walking the dog and I'm never blue. I'm a walking at dog. I'm not thinking about you. The Pollyanna, Pollyanna Calgary podcast Podcast. So it's like someone saying I love you, you to you once a week. Tony Pucci specifically. Tony Pucci specifically. Hi, this is Tony Pucci of the Pollyanna Cowgirl Records Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I play one hour of podsafe safe pop and rock music. You can find the show at PollyannaCowgirl.com or at the host podcast network site, SimplySyndicated.com. Peace and love. I mentioned poetry. I mentioned short stories. Well, how about just straight up spoken word? It goes without saying Lori Anderson's difficult listening hour would belong. For that kind of pretension, it's only natural to think of Jim Morrison as well. The Hitchhiker might be an obvious choice from a, a hit perspective, as it turns writers on the storm into sort of a, of a dark, kind of a hitchhiker-led horror story. But Angels and Sailors might be the spoken word piece from him that I would I'd think of first. From An American Prayer, it's the one where he talks about uh, you could uh, plan a murder or start a religion. That, that line is in there, really appealing to me. We think of spoken word as being either an artsy thing or a rock and roll thing, meaning the doors. But there's a classical element to there as well. Steve Reich, being a good example, um, some of his earliest works, his tape loop recordings, are definitely word, spoken word, in fact. Spoken word bent to a percussive purpose. And the one I like best of all those is the extended 12-minute version of Come Out where he takes a recording of a young black teenager who had been arrested by the police in a a race riot or some sort of a skirmish, and instead of taking him to the hospital to deal with some of the injuries, including bleeding injuries, took him to prison instead. And on the way out from uh, being transferred from prison to the hospital, somehow a reporter, or maybe Reich himself, got a sound clip of the suspect on his way to receiving medical treatment, Answering the question of why he's being let go, he said, I had to open the bruise up and let some of the bruised blood come out to show them. In this case, come out to show them that he was bleeding and needed treatment. In Reich's case, he turns that into something entirely different. I mentioned makes and remakes, and here's a pretty good example of what I would have done there. Um, Playing the remake first and then the original after. Because often when you hear a remake, even, even if it's a really bad remake... It calls to mind what the original would have been. And in this case, I think I've got a list of some pretty good remakes. Morrissey, That's Entertainment, followed by the original by The Jam. Primus, Making Plans for Nigel, followed, of course, by the XTC track. Or I could have easily done Primus's um, Hello Skinny and gone with the original by The Residents. Tom Petty's Feel a Whole Lot Better, followed by The Birds. And the interesting thing is that those two versions aren't that different from each other. Uh, either in uh, musicianship or in spirit. Or one of my favorite, the Jane's Addiction version of the, dead, of the Grateful Dead song, Ripple. I wouldn't mind seeing both of those ripples work their way out back to back. Classical music could also include a set of the same composer. In fact, that would be a, a brilliant idea. There are composers out there that I personally find interesting enough that I know are exp- obscure enough that it would make sense. Several tracks in a row from Heinrich Wajnowski would probably be the only Wajnowski that a lot of people have heard. But in the interest of playing the hits, you could also go with, with Beethoven. Maybe a set of four tracks together, piecing together four movements of four different symphonies. Uh, I would go with uh, Symphony 5, Movement 1, the obvious one. Da, 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 da. Symphony number 7, Movement 2, which has a crucial role in the Edward Albee play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Uh, Symphony 3, Movement 3, clearly a cop out there. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with the third movement. And the most obvious choice of all is probably the Ode to Joy answer, Symphony No. 9, Movement 4. As if this isn't weird enough, and maybe I'm underselling the weirdness, or maybe I I don't need to explain further. How about a magic organ song? Ken Griffith, The Syncopated Clock. Leroy Anderson made very good, modern, pop classical music, and some of his music works incredibly well on just your Hammond organ type approach. So, um, the syncopated clock, followed by maybe Golden Earring, The Twilight Zone, Clint Black, and the country ballad Loving Blind, Skayfish, and the Jim Skayfish band with his track uh, No Liberation. That includes the line, uh, Rub my nose in doggies' duty today. Please embarrass me so I'll be ashamed. We don't have the rights. There's no liberation here. And follow that up with something instrumental because I don't know that you want to follow up Jim, Jim Skayfish with somebody else. Dave Brubeck's Take 5, or perhaps some variation on that particular theme. I haven't gotten to rap either. And of course, we're dealing from my list and my notes here, we're dealing with very early 90s. So you got to take that into account, maybe cut me some slack on the age of these particular releases. I could do better if I put my mind to it and tried to, to modernize. But in some ways, it's almost more interesting to see this through a time capsule. Magic Mike and the Royal Posse's Speaker Terror Upper, a song which almost existed for no other reason than to demonstrate the powerful, booming bass system in the back of a car. Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby's Got Back is the obvious track, has an interesting interpretation of Black Sabbath's Iron Man as well. Third Bass, Pop Goes the Weasel. I never know whether to describe that as a guilty pleasure or not. I'm not going to apologize for it. It's a pleasure either way and maybe the more trip-hop sound, like PM Dawn, and uh, Reality used to be a friend of mine. I also mentioned earlier an FCC Challenge set, songs that you probably couldn't play on regular radio due to their language. And Satellite Radio, of course, has resolved this problem once and for all. But I would love to be flipping through the channels on a station that's playing songs by the zombies and songs by Michael Jackson, and also to hear Body Count. Not Cop Killer, too trite and too cliched, just the... The title track, what's a brother got to do to get a message through to the red, white, and you? NWA, somebody to pick from, I'll go the obvious route, say just don't bite it. Sex Pistols, Bodies, perhaps the single most pro-life song I've ever heard from a band that most pro-life people would reject. Um, So that kind of FCC challenge, there's a couple other tracks on this piece of paper that I'm not going to read, because I think that if I read them, um, I'd have to put an explicit tag on this particular release. Here's another set of songs that I think probably an attempt to to pander to more popular fare. So I haven't done a lot with what would have been popular on the radio at the time. But here goes. Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. Back to Back, remember. Fats Domino, Ain't That a Shame. Bell Biv DeVoe, Do Me. And John Lee Hooker, The Healer, which if you don't remember it, a great blues song put out as the title track of an original release of collaborations. And that particular one features Carlos Santana on electric guitar. I also haven't done anything with dance somewhere in here. I've got what I would call a shut up and dance set uh, tower of power on the serious side boys to men under pressure. Madonna's into the groove on Vogue. It ain't over till the fat lady sings and CNC music factory. Things that make you go. Hmm. I'll let you be the judge of whether that's also correspondingly a songs that suck set or not. I personally think Madonna's into the groove is the best of the form, at least when it comes to the shut up and dance idea. Here's one I haven't mentioned opera. And I'm not talking about dabbling in opera either. Maybe you have to do this at a ridiculously early hour of some weekday morning where it won't really offend your core audience that much, but I would be interested in playing complete opera all the way through. Um, uh, the, the example that I wrote down for myself here was Wagner's Parsifal, which I think was a five-CD set. I don't own it on CD. I've got it on vinyl. So I'm not sure whether the multiple albums I have, you know, five, six, seven albums in that set, translate into four CDs or five. But literally putting together something like four or five hours of solid opera, um, good way to, you know, antagonize listeners? Well, maybe. But again, we're not trying to be the best radio station in town. We're only trying to be the second best. And maybe for those five hours, rank lower than that. But I think that it's an opportunity to do something you don't even really get to hear on NPR, where National Public Radio will play classical music, but they'll dabble more often than not, and dabble especially when it comes to opera. For blues music, I would tend to want to be more authentic here as well. Um, Louisiana Red has a track called Sweet Blood Call. Uh, That might be my favorite track of you know, we have blues songs written or at least recorded in my lifetime. Uh, Robert Johnson's The Red Hot. In fact, wouldn't mind hearing a back-to-back Robert Johnson and Red Hot Chili Peppers for that song. Mississippi John Hurt um, really runs the gamut. Lovely sentimental tracks like I'm Satisfied, all the way to a truly dark delta kind of an approach, like Nobody's Dirty Business. And Sonny Boy Williamson's Eyesight to the Blind. If that sounds familiar to you as a, as a classic rock fan, uh, Eric Clapton remade that track in-the-film version of The Who's Tommy. World music would be in there as well. I don't have artists written down here, but uh, songs would include things like uh, La Saine from France or Green Eyes, done in a distinctly south-of-the-border Mexicali style. For Russia, there's several good uh, Red Army songs. The Engine comes to mind or um, Steel Band, uh, something in a Calypso sort of a style. As I'm about ready to wrap this up with just a few more quick notes and hopefully mop up anything that I've missed, you know, what do you think about the idea that this could be that other station? Would the combination be so off-putting, so weird in its juxtapositions that a lot of people would not give it the time of day? And if so, that feeds into a suspicion that I've had that when it comes to radio in particular, maybe music in general, but definitely radio in particular, The standard that people use for picking what they listen to and what they like is not so much about what they truly enjoy, but about eliminating and marginalizing those things that they do not enjoy. It's not about, I like this radio station because they play my favorite songs. It's about, I like this radio station because they don't play the songs that I hate. I mentioned uh, playing complete new release CDs, but what about the EP? What about that short form? Uh, Examples I've got here are the uh, Mariah Carey Unplugged EP. Uh, The lady has a very talented voice, and sometimes it's nice to clear away some of the pretense and and have a more unplugged approach. The Butthole Surfers, uh, one of their earliest albums, which is untitled, but fans refer to it as brown reason to live, and I see no reason to argue with them. And Classical handles the water music. You rarely find water music alone as a CD release because in the era of compact disc, it's not really long enough to fill a disc. Something like an EP for classical music. Oh, the other thing I did forget to mention, the idea of an overlap set. Let me talk about this from the perspective of uh, using... New Age and environmental music. But think about how this might apply to other things as well. I'm not talking about a legitimate mashup where somebody's making an effort to make things work in a congruent way. I'm talking about intentionally generating cacophony. So what I'm going to describe here with the effect with sound effects music could just as easily work with a random selection of songs. The idea would be to play them in a round. And what I mean by a round is that row, row, row your boat concept. And in this case, you'd start maybe a minute of one of the environmental themes. And then as it's playing its way to conclusion, overlap in another one and play them together. And then a minute later or some predetermined time later, overlap another one. Towards some point, you have three, four, five things playing at once. In this example, I was looking at actual environmental recordings from the environment section of the store that I worked in and just saying, well, how would I piece this together? What would sound good? I'd start off with autumn in New England, and then I'd overlap in ocean surf and eventually crackling coals, which to be honest with you, by this point might not even be audible to the human ear over the other two layers of sound, followed by thunderstorm, where I do think that the sound itself would creep in, especially if you got to the point where the autumn in New England and ocean surf tracks began to come to their conclusion. But before you let The four over overlying tracks end to where one of them completely disappeared and you were left with just two or three playing End with something like a sonic boom or roll it right into the Pink Floyd track. Keep your filthy hands off my desert at the beginning of side two of Pink Floyd's The Final Cut, because that begins with a with a bomb blast. Again, I think the record labels would be aggravated beyond their ability to speak if you pulled a stunt like that and did so with their new release, with the music that they were trying to, um, trying to promote. Quickly as I wrap it up, if I were going to do short story readings, what kind of short stories might I use? Well, Frank London Brown, The Whole Truth. Alain Robegrier, The Secret Room. William Sansom, The Long Chord. Or something by Franz Kafka, like A Country Doctor. Those kinds of short stories. Not long in length, but with a distinctly lingering aftertaste. Oh, and finally, I mentioned songs that suck. I haven't named any. So what would my opinion be about the things that need to be shoehorned in here in order to capably recognize songs that suck? Well, one of the ones that comes immediately to mind to me, songs that annoyed me even when they first came out, *Deaf Leopards Make Love Like a Man. Or the uh, proto-reggae kind of rap imitation Snow Song Informer. I have a list here as well. uh, Air Supply, Here I Am. Dangerous Toys and their song Sportin' a Woody. Uh, Billy Ray Ray Cyrus, Some Gave All. Kuiper had sort of a dance pop rap number called Tic Tac Toe. Or Colin Ray, who... Really I'm I'm ditch to ditch with him. There's some tracks by him I genuinely love, but what I genuinely hate is a anti intellectual anthem, disguised as a love song called Excuse Moi My Heart. Really sappy and crappy. The one thing I know I haven't done a good enough job of doing is mixing together these name drops into something that is you know much more genuinely random. That would of course be the theme. There would be a place for playing back to back tracks. Uh, Again, not a two-for-Tuesday concept, but rock blocks, uh, all-repeat-Thursdays, stuff of that nature. But uh, just by trying to pull together examples as they came to mind, it wasn't perhaps random enough. And it's that random nature that I think would truly challenge the listener. This is not anti-intellectual radio. And for that reason, it's uh, got no shot of being anything more than the second best radio station in town. I first encountered the artwork of Francis Picabia in what I think is probably the best possible way to meet an artist for the first time. I was standing in an art gallery in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, where I had no agenda. A lot of times if I'm going to visit a museum or a gallery of some sort, I will be looking for something in particular. But in this case... I wasn't. I'd gone to another museum earlier that day, which I really did want to see, the Salvador Dali Art Museum, also in that same area. But in this case, I was in what was more of a a general coverage, not a museum devoted to a single artist. And in the process of looking through different uh, examples of art and hanging around in the Impressionist examples more than anywhere else, because it's what my wife enjoys the most, I came across Francis Bacabia. Now, the thing about Cabia to me, that is the most interesting is that we do not think of him as being an impressionist painter. Truthfully, we're making a mistake if we think of him as being a cubist painter or a Dadaist painter or a surrealist painter either. The fact of the matter is that if you are all of those things, plus a painter of garishly realistic nudes, plus a painter in an impressionist style, then you're none of those things. And that, I think, is probably one of the biggest challenges that has stopped picabia from becoming a more popular artist he is in some ways a generalist who's generalist only in the sense that he had multiple lifetime specialities and to be honest with you was never number one in the craft in any one of those specialties when we think of surrealist painting we think of Dalí. we don't think of picabia when we think of uh, picasso uh, picabia doesn't even make the list in fact when i go to bookstores and look at art books. And uh, one of the things I do if I'm looking around is kind of make a mental note of just how predictable the selection's going to be. Now, part of that is because of us. It's not a fault of the retailer. You've got to carry Van Gogh. You've got to carry Dali. You've got to carry Monet. You've got to carry Rembrandt. You've got to carry these people. And Picabia doesn't make the cut there. You know, I'll be in the peas looking to see if maybe there'll be some sort of career retrospective Something that would educate me because he's not famous enough for me to know a lot about him. And you'll see your Picasso's and your uh, Picassos, but you won't find Picabia in the mix. I also wonder if some of that isn't in the later part of his career. How often he would use girly photos and female nude models as an inspiration, and maybe that kind of uh, book would be controversial were to be found on the shelf. We went to the gift shop that day in Florida. Again, looking for souvenirs, just kind of, you know, hobnobbing around. Had a great time. I mean, one of the better times I've ever had, just killing an afternoon in art galleries, uh, waiting for a ship to sail is literally what we were doing. And we found a three-by-four reproduction of one of Picabia's, you know, landscape sort of, uh, it's a church with a foreground on a sunny day. And uh, this has been framed in In My Bedroom ever since. And again, it's interesting because for most people you think um, – yeah, Francis Picabia, what do you know about him the this earlier impressionist year might be the last thing that people will turn around and cite and the connection that I want to make here was twofold: first off, if you 've never seen the artwork of Picabia, it's worth looking there's a couple of YouTube uh, clips out there where people have created collages of different uh, prints of his art. And if you ever, you know, happen to be chancing through a gallery or a museum and you see, you know, his work, it's worth taking a pause and saying, you know, what, this is a guy who really had an interesting career spanning from the early 1900s all the way to uh, the late 1940s. He was born in 1879, early in the year, and lived until late in 1953. So he had a career that was fairly productive all through. But in some ways, it would be generous to call him second best in any one of those avenues. This is second to Man Ray and Picasso and Dali and Monet and other artists. But again, you know, unfortunately with music, we tend to have this attitude that there's number one and everybody else. Christmas number one in the United Kingdom is a huge, big deal being the song that happens to top the charts on that particular week more important than any other week. And we tend to have that sort of attitude, but I think with art, we don't, And we definitely shouldn't limit ourselves in that manner. And just because there are better um, artists in the craft of Dadaism doesn't mean that an artist whose uh, work is provocative, like Picabia, should be forgotten completely and ignored. So my different drummer, on a day when I'm talking about people who mix and match styles uh, and trying to come up with combinations of genre that seem upsetting or incongruent, Seems like the perfect time to cite somebody who actually has a piece of artwork that I keep on my dresser. Francis Picabia. Perhaps this entire show is a testament to, well, on the one hand, how much I enjoy lists, but on the other hand, how much I enjoy Dadaism itself, the surrealist notion of putting, you know, conflicting ideas in play at one time and creating a cacophony that at the same time it's ugly can also be incredibly beautiful. Picabia's artwork leverages some of that as do others who worked in the areas of cubism and dadaism. But for me, I think until you've actually put together a mix of this sort, you wouldn't necessarily be early on to draw the conclusion that a bluegrass song played back to back with Washington DC go-go played back-to-back with uh, early experimental New York City punk could be a beautiful thing. But in my mind, it's always been and always will be radio as it should be. And I say this at a time when radio, as we know it, is virtually dead. If you'd like to put some dialogue into this conversation, I can be reached at ic underscore greg at hotmail.com. And the website has show notes enabled at inappropriateconversations.podbean.com. and end with some quotes from francis picabia who's a writer not just an artist and if there's room they'll be here at the end a free spirit takes liberties even with liberty itself good taste is as tiring as good company men always have need of god a god to defend them against other men only useless things are indispensable The essence of a man is found in his faults. The world is divided into two categories, failures and unknowns. My ass contemplates those who talk behind my back. Francis Picabia